this is Sylvester McCoy. Uh, you're listening to Who Made Who and uh, Me Made Me. And uh, my mother and father did the same. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Doctor Who podcast. It's Anthony Lewis and Ben Knight back talking more Doctor Who series eleven. It is episode eight, The Witchfinders, and uh, this one, sir, features Alan Cummings. Which, uh, out of all of the guest, uh, out of all of the uh, the guest stars that were revealed way back in the uh, the premiere episode, as an American. He is the only one that truly stood out to me as somebody I recognized because, uh, of course, he was in uh, X2. He may have... Was he in X-Men 3? Uh, I honestly, can't remember. Honestly, don't was, remember. He was Nightcrawl. And he was in um, The Good Wife as well and various network TV shows. Oh, we have and... The Good Wife, but I haven't seen it. That's a good show. Uh, but yeah, he's... The good fight that follows it is uh, arguably better, but there he... you go. He's in this episode playing King uh, King James the First, or King James the Sixth. Yeah, it really, sort of just depends. And yep. uh, they not so subtly hinted at his ambiguous sexuality in this episode. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, I mean, it was very subtle, but I thought so. If you <laughs> knew where to look for the hints, uh, they were there. Uh, yeah, so I was like... King James may or may not have liked a bit of cock. I mean... Yeah, may or may not. Uh, yeah. May. Let's just say may. Uh, play it safe and say probably. Uh, I mean, that was one of the things that I thought when they mentioned... Uh, when he's like, I'm King James the First. Like, right after, like, the Bible guy. And then I'm like, isn't this the Bible guy that everybody was pretty sure was gay? And... Yeah. They wasted no time in being like, oh, yeah, totally. He has the hots for Ryan. That's King yeah. James the first. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll talk. Super gay. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it a little bit more uh, in, in depth. But first, let's talk about what happened in the episode. So mm-hmm. the doctor and team TARDIS, they end up in the year 1612, Lancashire near Pendle Hill. Uh, they reach a nearby village to find an old woman accused of witchcraft being dunked. So, for all of you Americans who thought that was only uh, a, an, a, an American-y thing, uh, read your history. Uh, this whole witch thing, that w- it was kind of everywhere. Mm. Uh, the doctor tries to save her, but fails. She attempts to prevent further trials by claiming herself as the Witchfinder General. Uh, of course, psychic paper coming in handy there. To the local landlord... Becca Savage, which I don't know, is that a common name for the 1600s? Um, sort of sounds like an is. Instagram model today. Yeah, I'm not sure about the 
Becca part of it, but the the Sa- Savage is a not too um, uncommon surname in the Northwest, which is where Lancashire is. There you go. Uh, only for the sudden appearance of King James the First and or the Sixth to complicate <laughs> matters, as he deems her uh, as Graham's assistant. As you see, Graham must be the Witchfinder General, not this lady fellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Yaz finds the old woman uh, being buried by her granddaughter, Willa, and saves her from a tendril made of mud. Uh, it's like any a tendril. It's, a, it's an alive tendril. Uh, upon hearing of this, and that Savage is Willa's cousin, the doctor realizes the cause of the witch hunt is of alien origin, and the recent victims are being reanimated by this alien entity. While uh, her companions follow the reanimated corpses, the doctor ends up being accused of witchcraft herself while confronting Savage over hiding something. Uh, She attempts to reason with King James before being dunked, uh, but she escapes her bonds, of course, at the last second. And uh, once more, confronted by the doctors, the corpses arrive, Savage reveals that she was actually infected by the alien entity while chopping down a tree on the hill. Savage assumed it to be deviltry and sought for uh, a cure, but uh, yeah, it, it didn't work, these witch trials. Uh, accusing old mother Twiston, that's Willa's mom, of, uh, or grandmom? I don't remember. But... Grandmother, I think. Uh, anyway, uh, it's because she knew of the infliction. Uh, so she had to go. The alien entity soon takes over Savage's body, revealing herself as the queen of a war criminal race known as the Morax. As you can maybe now deduce, Pendle Hill is essentially where they were sentenced to live for eternity, uh, displaced from their their bodies. Not unlike a Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Ben. If, Very uh, much so, yeah. Uh, the Doctor discovers that Savage inadvertently damaged the alien prison system disguised as a tree, as many are, of course, uh, and designed to imprison the Morax within. Learning the Morax intend to have their king possess King James before conquering the Earth, the Doctor uses parts of the old tree to save James, reactivate the jail. While the Morax are forced out of their host bodies, the Queen refuses to leave Savage's body, and King James kills them both. Begone, witch! Uh, The following day, James declares to the Doctor that all records of these events will be erased, and he and uh, Willa watch in surprise as the group leave in the TARDIS. They were both stunningly not as taken aback by the whole blue box disappearing before their eyes as I thought they'd be. They were pretty chill about that, huh? Very laid back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That reminded me uh, quite a bit of uh, the the Robots of Sherwood episode, actually. (laughs) Where I think they did the same exact thing in front of, like, Robin Hood, and he was just like, huh, that's interesting. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, this happened. Yeah. W- what did you think of the Witchfinders, Ben? Um, I thought it was visually uh, a very strong episode. I thought the mm-hmm. script, another non-Chibnall script, this was uh, Joy Wilkinson, I think, mm-hmm. um, was uh, was pretty solid. There was an adequate amount of humor that just occasionally might have gone a little bit too far but for the most part was fine um, I object to the fact that they didn't film it in Pendle uh, when they damn well could have done they filmed it in uh, Wales, Wales and, yeah. Osport and places like that um, because Pendle is just at the road from here uh, and 
um, yeah, I mean, the the sort of the hill being a prison thing, meh. I don't know. There's there's more stupid devices than that in the world of Who and the world of sci-fi generally. But uh, yes, why not? Um, it was solid. I think it's interesting that this episode. It's been a while since an episode of Doctor Who's been criticised for being actually scary uh, for for kids, mm-hmm. and there was some pretty Route One zombie shit going on in this episode. Yeah, and I think the makeup. I didn't think they looked particularly scary, although I can imagine for small children that they might look scary. But I just thought they were actually yeah. well done, good looking makeup effects. Yeah, I, I well, I thought so too. I, I, I thought the practical effects and the um, CG in this episode were, were all pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I were to give a criticism of it, um, perhaps the fact that it didn't... It, I mean, it's weird to have a character like uh, King James as a... He's, all, he's not quite incidental to it, but he feels a little bit incidental to it. He... Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't sweep in and take charge particularly. Uh, he's, you know, he stood with the rest of the villagers watching um, the doctor being uh, dunked and so on. Yeah. Um, it seemed a little bit odd. I mean, he, that people have different views of um, King James. Obviously, we're talking some centuries ago, and so you know there are bits people remember about him. So yeah. obviously the point is um, that he preferred the company of men well as Marge Simpson says who doesn't um, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't Marge it was Homer Simpson That's right. uh, yeah um, he it is true that he was obsessed with uh, witches and demonology in fact he wrote a book called demonology if I'm not mistaken um, so you know there was all of that stuff. I don't know I just felt like it, I'd quite like to see James the first again I think um, yeah I I just feel like there's perhaps more to be said about James the First. His his life was something of a soap opera, um, mm. and he's a he he even for a you know for a monarch was something of an eccentric, yeah. and had a very complicated relationship um, with the church. Obviously, people will know things about gunpowder plots and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I. I I thought it was a solid episode. I think it continued the theme of Doctor Who gradually getting incrementally better during the course of the season. And for once, this was an episode in which the Doctor was not peripheral. Um, no, some some you know some episodes we've we've commented in the past that the Doctor seems to be sort of also present, but um, this was this was an episode w- with her front and center. She was very um, much up front. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the only other thing I'll say is that after watching this, I a sort of idle thought was that it had sort of I'd never been massively fussed about the whole gender switch thing for the Doctor, but I did think after this episode, it's probably the first time I've kind of forgotten to be conscious of the fact that the Doctor's a woman now. Yeah, um, maybe I'm kind of late to that party, maybe I'm early to it. I don't know, but I kind of like it's the Doctor. You know, uh, it, I'd say as people pointed out with this episode they couldn't have really done this if it was peter capaldi as the doctor i mean oh for sure yeah uh he wouldn't have been tried as a witch so uh it's kind of uniquely suited for jody whitaker's doctor and so in that regard it works uh as it relates to king james i yeah something felt kind of 
at times he felt almost cartoonish a little bit. Yes. Although, uh, again, though, that is perhaps derived from the fact that there was something kind of cartoonish. Well, I say there was. The way he is now viewed historically, there is something kind of eccentric and Mm -hmm. kind of larger than life. And I think, really, that's that's the effect of um, possibly very, very slight homophobic historians. Um, In the sense that, you know, he's become this kind of figure of fun throughout history in some ways. Um, Right. That's, yeah. So I I don't know how deep to dig into this, but I felt like it, because you were talking about how sometimes it felt weird that he was sort of in the periphery and that he, at times, it felt weird that he wasn't very take charge-ish about things, you know, being the king and all. Uh, And... I, like I said, I don't know how, how deep to dig into this, but at times it felt like the cartoonishness was sort of tied to... I mean, because obviously they were not hiding his feelings towards men in this episode. Yeah. But it, So to me, it kind of weirdly felt like they were tying it to some sort of cartoonishly effeminate stereotype, kind of. Yeah, I, I think I think they were. Um, yeah. Although if you look at, you know, paintings and stuff done... Uh, of him even con- vaguely contemporaneously mm-hmm. um he was always painted as being slightly slightly flamboyant and actually sometimes you look at you look at some of the most famous portraits of him there is a, a degree of um slightly effeminate posing and things like that within the photographs which mm-hmm. again you know that may have been um intentional may even have been satirical or whatever at the time it's hard to know isn't it when you're talking that long ago but yeah. uh but I don't think it took away from it too much. And if you no. go, if you're gonna if you're going to do that, then you want someone like Alan Cumming who you know can can do the comedy, but can also be. I mean, he can be in, like crazy intense and stuff sometimes. Absolutely, I thought he walked the line very well. In yeah, this. I, I think so. I, I'm guessing. Again, it's one. Of, I've said this a few times about Doctor Who, but I think it's one of those things where a little bit of misdirection somewhere. Um, uh, when they were making this, and it, it could have absolutely ruined it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and like at the end, he did kill the witch from his perspective. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was never going to be reformed about killing witches, um, whether he realized they were witches right. or not. Yes, um, because that would it would also have made sort of a nonsense of what follows in terms of the history of King James I. Mm-hmm. Um, he he didn't suddenly miraculously stop being obsessed with um uh the occult with um things like that all of a sudden and um i think it would have been weird if he were depicted as having a um a kind of sudden turnaround or crisis of confidence in his god-given right to slay witches i mean that that would have just been strange so um i think the yeah him making that decision at the end is is entirely fitting and 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 sort of proper for the fact that you've got to remember it is a, albeit a a sort of cartoonish version, it is still a a historical figure. So if they're going to not completely ignore that, then, you know, they have to do something practical with it. It felt like there wasn't much for the rest of the companions to do in this episode. Yeah. 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 More of the kind of dropping in and out stuff. Um, It, yeah, there really wasn't, was there? I'm trying to think of any, I mean, it's been really unbalanced. Yeah. It's been. It's yeah, it was B plot actually was there. Not really. No. I mean, and it's been kind of an unbalance in that regard anyway, because at times, as you noted earlier, and as we've mentioned in previous episodes, 
that the doctor sometimes kind of falls into the background where everybody else mm. is kind of more foregroundish. So this episode was, yeah, kind of the, like the invert of that. It didn't feel like the, uh, the companions really did much. No, the they episode. were stood watching. And, and of course, Graham was a distraction, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Ryan was there to be ogled. Yeah. Uh, more or less. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I did like, I did like that at the end. Uh, you know, when he's just like, you know, come back with me, uh, to Ryan. I can't, yeah. I can't remember what his excuse was. It was some really bad excuse. Like he's got things to do. Or yeah. Something. He's got things to do. And yeah. You know. <laughs> Very poor explanation. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, overall, uh, a pretty solid episode, but nothing to write home about, you know, that sort of thing. It, like if it comes up again. I'll watch it and enjoy it, but it's, you know, it's not going to, I don't, I don't think this is going to be anything that I'm going to specifically remember. Uh, no, like, I mean, it's by a the time next series rolls around. It's a standard historical episode with, um, an attempt to bring back a little bit of the, the darker side of, uh, the visual stuff for Dr. Here. It's, it's, I think sometimes they, when somebody's given the task of writing, um, an episode of who, one of the things that they remember is, you know, the old trope of people watching it from hiding behind the sofa or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I get the distinct impression that's that's what the intention was here. It was to produce an episode that people could, you know, mm-hmm. um, react to in that way. Because I think we do sometimes go through a bit of a, a sort of horror drought in Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, sometimes even a tension drought, you know, um, whether it's stuff blowing up or whether it's just bloody weird plots that no one quite understands what the point of the plot is mm-hmm. um, I'm looking at you Capaldi era um, <laughs> the yeah I, th- I think sometimes we do miss the you know just plain old yeah they've reanimated a load of corpses and you know that's you got to have some of that at some point incidentally yeah. slightly off topic but whilst I just remember because it's, it's literally just fallen off the table in front of me um, a while ago I bought uh, a set of um Ink, um, hand-done prints of the uh, the various doctors. Ah, yes. Uh, and I had one to twelve, including War. Um, and this weekend, at for the love of sci-fi, I went to visit the guy who does those and picked up thirteen. Of I've course, it in front of me. Uh, and he also, because I've now got the full set of those, uh, he gave me a free um, ink one of um, uh, of Pinhead from Hellraiser, which is really, really good. The um, set sorry, is complete, though Pinhead does not necessarily fit into the. No, he'll he'll go in a different room. I, I, maybe in the bathroom. Is that a good place for Pinhead? Do you think? I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> maybe in the spare room. That'll freak kids out. There you go. <laughs> my nephew stay over or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Stare at this. It'll help yeah. you go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was a tangent, but yes, it was a. T- <laughs> it was, but it's okay. It's because it fell off the table. That's all. Um, all right, so uh, what would you give the Witchfinders, Ben? Hmm. There isn't. It's not an episode where I've got an immediately sort of instinctive score, but um, that's I why was... I write mine down like a half hour after I watch. Yeah. Um, do you know, I think it's pretty much Bob on a four. Okay. I would, I would, I was sort of erring, sort of to quarter of a point either way but no I, I think it's pretty squarely on a four 
Uh, I went a, a little lower. So uh, at the time of watching it, I gave it a, a three and a half. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, it's there. Is it the solid... tree jail thing? Is it the what? The tree jail hill thing. Uh, no. I mean, there's weirder stuff in Doctor Who. That that didn't really come off as particularly strange. I almost feel like they've done something like this before. Like, yeah. wasn't there like a jail in like a cave or something once? Or it's ringing a bell in a yeah. mountain or something. I don't know. It feels it feels similar. I don't know. That didn't really. Uh, I think more than anything. When it was over, it was just like, oh, well, that was fun. But usually, yeah. you know, that for me, that gets into the three and a half. Sometimes it hits a four. depends on how much fun it was. But Wait, are you sad that there wasn't like an important, um, this week we learned this type message? Because not, not necessarily. I mean, not necessarily. Although something important for the show, like for the characters, that mm. would, that would, that would help. But. Nothing truly important happened for the characters in this episode. Uh, they just found themselves in a conundrum, and then they got themselves out of it. There was a mystery, they solved it, and set things back in place. My uh, Amazon order is about to arrive any second now. Which is fine. Uh, and Ben's got an Amazon order, so I should thank the good people over at Adam Tickets for sponsoring the episode. CinemaGeekly.com slash Tickets. Or click the Adam Tickets link at the top of the page. Pick yourself up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life. And of course, uh, that is the episode for this week. Head on over to cinemageekly.com. Check out the archives of the show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Just search for Who Made Who. Hit subscribe. And that way you can come back and hear us talk about Doctor Who Series 11, Episode 9, called It Takes You Away. Music